said, to gather with Christians that are here presently, that are here in spirit, that are here through technology, uh, worshiping our great God and our loving Savior through the presence of His Holy Spirit, uh, together as uh, one church, as one uh, family, to be able to lead these wonderful songs that David has led us in of faith and promise and love. To be able to gather around the table and celebrate the one act that brings about our salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And to know that as Jesus said in Matthew 16, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. We win. We win. To see Matt up here sharing about how this church has worked and will continue to work and that that presence and that ministry will continue for years to come if the Lord tarries uh, and to and to remember that his family has been a part of just that here for generations. Uh, great, great blessing. You know, the first century church, as I understand it, faced a lot of difficulties as well. Uh, they were challenged and threatened on many, many sides. And so this morning you have an outline there, and I really thought about just changing that and preaching about something else, but then I just looked it over and I thought, no, I think I can make that work. (laughs) And so we'll share about these things. Hopefully I'll give you a chance to fill in all the blanks. Um, And then we'll offer God's invitation. Jesus called on his disciples to make disciples. When you talk about who we are and what we do and what we're about, that's it. Disciples who make disciples. Disciples making disciples. Matthew, uh, Matt mentioned the passage in Matthew, in Matthew 28, that just before Jesus ascended, he told us, told his disciples to go into all the world and do that. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Well, that's what he called us to do. To make disciples. How do you do that? Well, you share with them about the love that God has shown to you. And you help them in wherever they need help, wherever you can. And you do that in the name of the Lord. And when they're ready and willing... You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of their sins. And then you continue to be in a relationship with them and continue teaching. Because as disciples, we're all learners. We're all continuing to grow. And the disciples of the first century who heard that took them seriously and started doing exactly that. They encouraged others to be disciples. Disciples who make disciples. And they did that again in the midst of great challenges. And so a few of those challenges I'll mention today. They encouraged others to be disciples no matter the beliefs. Whatever, wherever someone was coming from, from a philosophical or theological or intellectual position, they encouraged them to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Because his message and his kingdom and his gospel transcends all of those barriers. We see this in Acts chapter 6 through 7 when 
uh, the disciples began uh, preaching and teaching and reaching out uh, to others. We see it in the sermon that Stephen preached. And unfortunately, it, it got him killed. We see it in Acts chapter 13 when Paul and Barnabas are on what we call their first mission journey in Antioch of Pisidia. And in both of these instances, they were Orthodox Jews that they were speaking to. Jews who believed strongly in what we call the Old Testament. And so they went there and they established that Jesus was the Christ. But we also see it in Acts chapter 17 when Paul was in Athens. And so not only did the disciples reach out to the Orthodox Jews, but they reached out to the contemporary Gentile world. In Athens, Paul goes and he's surrounded by idols and altars of false worship, as you know. And, and he finds one there. He finds a place to start from. An altar to the unknown God. And he says, I want to talk to you about this God. This God that you don't know about. This God that, that you'd like to worship because it's this God who is the one true and living God. He doesn't dwell in houses made by hands, but he is the creator and sustainer of all. They encouraged others to be disciples no matter the beliefs. Secondly, they encouraged others to be disciples no matter the position. Whether these people were important and significant in the community or maybe nobody but their immediate family and friends knew them. In Acts chapters 24 through 26, Paul is appearing. He's been accused by his Jewish brothers. And, and so because of that, he appears before uh, authorities and specifically before Roman Gentile authorities. The governor Felix and the governor Festus, who replaced him. Paul appeared before them and told his story. And when he does, he basically tells them why he's a Christian. The governor calls in King Herod, who is there visiting, along with his sister Bernice. And Herod Agrippa and, and Bernice and the governor Festus, they all gather the crowd together in all their pomp and circumstance and and Paul preaches the gospel to them and tells his story. Here's what happened to me. Here's why I believe. Ultimately, he is taken to Rome and does the same thing before the emperor of Rome, Caesar himself. But it wasn't just those in authority, those of great significance, but it was those who hardly anybody knew. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail. And because of God's great mercy and deliverance, they're there singing his praises and, and he allows them to be freed if they wanted to, but they stay. And as they stay, the jailer comes to them and, and has been hearing all of this and has seen everything that's happened to them and realizes that he's the one in prison, not them. And so he asks them, what, what must I do to be saved? And they tell him, you've got to believe in Jesus he takes them to his house and he washes their stripes that he perhaps himself had helped put on in the beatings. And he hears more about the gospel of Christ and the response of faith. And this man, this jailer and his entire family are baptized into Jesus Christ. And then Paul and Silas dutifully go back to jail with him. But this guy was such a nobody, I don't even think scripture shares his name. We don't know his name whether it was King Agrippa or an anonymous jailer. 
They encouraged others to be disciples. They encouraged others to be disciples no matter the size. No matter the size of the group that they were speaking to. And Acts 13 is one example of them sharing the gospel before a large group. It says after Paul had been there and had preached for a while, uh, the whole city of Antioch of Pisidia came the next week to hear him, Jews and Gentiles. And because of that, the Jews were jealous. And so they stirred up trouble for him. But Paul was willing to speak to large groups. In Acts chapter 16, he speaks to just a small group, a handful of ladies out by this place that that Paul had found in Philippi that looked like it was probably a place where people would gather to pray. And, And sure enough, people gathered there to pray. And he shared with them about Jesus and Lydia was baptized and invited Paul and his party into her home. And her home became the church home. And she, likely a woman of means, likely became a great financial supporter of this one who had shared the gospel with her as well. But it wasn't just large groups, it wasn't just small groups, it was even to individuals. In Acts chapter 8, Philip is told by the Spirit, I want you to go run and join that chariot. And the way the narrative reads, <laughs> the chariot doesn't stop and he comes in, but rather Philip seems to be running along beside it. And in the chariot is a man of means, a, a, an important man from Ethiopia who was a, 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 a worshiper with the Jews. And he had been to Jerusalem to worship and now he was on his way home and he was reading his Bible. He was reading from Isaiah 53 and and so Philip, I think, as he's running, he says, do you, do you get what you're reading? He says, well, how can I unless somebody helps? And then I can just see Philip saying, well, if you'll stop for a minute and let me catch my breath, I'll be glad to help. <laughs> and so he's invited into the chariot with the man. And as they go along the way, Philip preaches to him about Jesus and about his death, burial, and resurrection, and about salvation from sins, and about the response of faith and becoming a disciple. And as they're on their way, they find some water. And it's the Ethiopian who says, hey, look, here's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? Philip tells him, well, are you you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus? The man says, yes, I do. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Philip says, well, then nothing is keeping you from being baptized. And that man, that individual is baptized that day. Whether it was to a large group or to a small group or to one person. They encouraged others to be disciples. Finally, this morning, they encouraged others to be disciples no matter the prospects. Whether it looked good and and looked seemed like a good opportunity and good prospect or not, didn't matter. In Acts 17, Paul uh, and Silas go to Thessalonica. And in Thessalonica, it, it was hard. It was hard. The Jews there hired some thugs and they came and they chased Paul and his party out of town. And they tried to destroy the church that even they left behind. And then later on when they go to a neighboring town of Berea, they go there too to try to stir up trouble for them. And even when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he reminds them that when you, you have been persecuted from day one and yet you have held on to your faith. 
In Acts chapter 18, Paul finds himself in Corinth, and as he describes it in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I was emotionally drained from the start when I came to you, and and then it was more trouble. The, the Corinthian people were not very open to him at first, it seems. Some were, but a lot opposed him, and it was so bad that Jesus came to him in a vision and sent a message to him and said, Hang in there with me, Paul. I've got a lot of people here. I need you to stick around. And he did. For 18 months, for a lot longer than he stayed most everywhere else. They encouraged others to be disciples, no matter the beliefs of the people that they were speaking to. No matter their position, if they were of high position or no position. No matter the size of the group that they were speaking to, a little or a lot, or even just one, and no matter the prospects, even if it brought them persecution and trouble, they shared the word of the Lord. They shared the response of faith. They encouraged others to be disciples, making disciples. So as we close today, this great statement in Acts chapter 8, they went everywhere and spoke of Jesus to everyone. That's the kind of disciples they were in the first century in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 begins with this great persecution that started when Stephen was killed. And then they hired this man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, to be the point man to destroy this church and this message. And he went about doing exactly that, so much so that all the Christians, all the disciples, had to leave Jerusalem, except for the apostles. But what does it say in Acts chapter 8, verse 4? It says, they went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere and spoke of Jesus to everyone. And how is it that they could do that? How is it that we can do that today in such a weird, crazy, dynamic, troubled world? Because of what Jesus himself said in that passage we began with in Matthew chapter 28. As he shared this great commission with them, the words that he shared with them as he ended in verse 20 are these. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And that is exactly the message that we need to remind each other of, that no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on around us, Jesus is with us. He's with us. And that's what the, that's the message that the people in our community and our world need to hear as well. In spite of all the difficulties, in spite of all the trouble, in spite of all the challenges, Jesus is with us. He is with us. And he will be with us through whatever we face. He's never promised that everything will be great the way the world measures greatness. But he has promised that everything will be good as God measures goodness. And a big part of that is that he will be with us. And so I wish I could stand up, but as Galen said, we're not sure what the schedule for the rest of the month is going to be. But we do know this. Jesus will be with us. And we know something else too. People need 
him. People need the Lord, just like we need the Lord. And so let's be disciples making disciples. Disciples who help wherever we can. Disciples who share the love and word of Christ. This morning, if we can help you do that, come as we stand and sing our song together.